Hey everyone, welcome to the Esports Next podcast. I am thrilled to be joining as the host for season three along with my co-hosts. We are going to be interviewing speakers, sponsors, and attendees of the Esports Trade Association Conference in Chicago. So if you're looking to understand who will be at the conference and what they're all about, tune in, come join us. This podcast is sponsored by PeopleWork. PeopleWork puts the power of automation, advanced technology, skills data, and behavioral sciences at the fingertips of all users to build a future-ready workforce. Download the PeopleWork app today. All right, welcome to another episode of the Esports Next podcast. It is my pleasure to be joined by our lovely ESCA founder, Megan Van Petten. And today our guest is Kim Kelly, who is the CEO and co-founder of PeopleWork. Kim, welcome to the show today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to talk about esports. I very rarely get to. Absolutely. Well, let me let me start off by sharing a little story of how we got involved because it was very serendipitous. And I, I feel like it's a story of just good people being around and, and and seeking to help each other. So I had the opportunity to speak at an event at SMU. And I noticed, you know, when you're speaking at an event, you're on the stage, you're looking for the people who are actually paying attention, right? Yes. Um, mm-hmm. eye contact. Eye contact. <laughs> That's right. So I'm like, okay, I'm not speaking to a hundred. I'm speaking to three. Boom, boom, boom. There was this uh, young man who was making eye contact uh, throughout, uh, the, the things that I was ranting about on stage. And then later I had to run to my car before lunch. So I come back to lunch a little late and I'm like, man, who am I going to have lunch with? You know, how can I make this a purposeful time building relationships with somebody? I turn around and here's this, uh, strapping young man, former Navy. Chase is in your face. (laughs) Chase is in my face. And I said, hey, I think you were in my session. Do you want to go grab lunch? Not knowing a thing of what he did. And so we're sharing stories. And and I said, Chase, okay, uh, what do you do? And he said, I work for this staffing company, this company, it's incredible people work that helps people find the right positions. And I said, perfect partnership opportunity here. I work in the esports industry and there is a dynamic today where all these people are getting laid off. Mm -hmm. There's all these mergers, there's all these acquisitions. It's very common that, you know, big fish swallows little fish. And then the people that were with the smaller company are, are dismissed or people are just going out of business. And it's a greater dynamic just in our economy that people need jobs. And I said, it would be such a value add to our community if we had a tremendous group like yours that can bring people back into employment, whether that's in esports or another industry. Just how can we get people paying their bills, building their experience and in roles where they thrive? So with that, a couple phone calls happened. We were introduced to yourself by Chase and you are the most recent sponsor of the Esports Next Conference. We're so excited. Uh, This is going to be Great for Chase and uh, Emily. They're both going to be in person and uh, it'll be great prep for us to get more familiar with 
the skills environment that's going on in esports because you know to your point there's so much opportunity for longevity and employability from the work that people do in esports that can just kind of branch everywhere so we're there to accelerate and uh, get informed more about esports from a skill and a community perspective but then also yeah. kind of secretly figure out like how do you keep all of these skills compounded and people continuing to to enhance their proficiency so it's going to be exciting love it i would love to do, dig into that a little later in this episode first why don't you tell our audience uh, with your own words, what is people work and what is the value that you add? I appreciate the question, but I'll start with a point of clarity. Uh, one is that we're not a staffing agency. Uh, we are a technology company. So staffing agencies, their prime function and the way that they make business is off of time. Um, they, mm. they don't necessarily have a lot of um, preliminary experience or concentration on the candidate experience because they really just want you to get to work right and they don't get paid until you get to work uh, people work is on the opposite side of that from our technology experience we want you to have a great candidate experience because we know that it will lead to long-term personal success for you as an individual uh, it doesn't mean staffing agencies or technology are good or bad. It's just a distinction between how we work and how staff and staffing agencies work. So as a technology company, we are a marketplace that is real, really centered around the individual. And it's fascinating since we started five years ago to learn that there really isn't a name for this individual. You're either a candidate, an employee, a talent, a job seeker, but you can't really be a human. And that in itself is kind of interesting as an um, indicator of the way that the, the whole application process works. You're not even a human being in the application process. That's the truth. <laughs> so, yeah. so what we decided to do after 25 years as a uh, HR executive, either a chief HR officer or leading executive strategies for some of the Fortune 10 companies of the world I implemented enough things to know what wasn't working um, and to know that just our vocabulary in itself was evidence of what a really broken system people work was designed. So we're a technology company really centered around the individual success, long-term success around achieving their work-life goals. And that means, are you reaching your income goals? Are you getting the work that you want to? Are you connecting with people that will help you through that journey? And are you learning what you need to in real time to keep you ready for the future of work? Wow. Well said. Um, I love how, I love following people's entrepreneurial journeys. Um, I never thought I would be an entrepreneur um, until COVID hit. <laughs> and um, I, I love that perspective and skill set from people who they do a job and they figure out how this could be done better and then they have the courage to step out on their own mm -hmm. and create something that's better for the world can you share a little bit about that process of identifying the the pain points and then you know leaving that regular paycheck and co-founding this incredible company Oh my gosh, John, you might need some alcohol or listeners might need some alcohol because this is, a, um, I don't call it courage. I call it insanity. 
And entrepreneurship is like, some people think, you know, you're just, you've got this entrepreneur um, mindset. I think it's like a disease and, and I, and I don't mean to talk about it so negatively, but it is a beat down. People yeah. who try to think that it's like this sexy Elon Musk experience, yeah. it's not, <laughs> it's, it's not only, it's only an Elon Musk experience if you're Elon Musk. Right. Um, right. And entrepreneurship. His experience is a beat down too. But yeah. <laughs> yes, <laughs> yes. So um, I don't, I want to start off the conversation with anybody who might be listening about uh, demystifying or, or de romanticizing uh, entrepreneurship as a whole. Uh, when I decided to take the journey, it was my second time starting a company from scratch. And um, the first time, uh, it was completely unrelated. It was related to my education, but not related to my um, years of professional experience. Went well. Uh, I ended up, you know, zero to four million. Great story. But in itself, it was still a process. Uh, we were essentially at that time um, a product before its time. And uh, when I looked at all of the problems that I was facing on an HR front, an HR front for me meant, you know, the number one thing that an HR person is asked from their CEO is, where are my people? Get my people. What's the problem with my people, right? <laughs> uh, well, when I, Megan's laughing because she knows the journey. She knows the conversation. Uh, finally, I just looked at the last uh, CEO that I worked with and I said, I can't create people that don't exist. Wow. So if you can't create people that don't exist, and if you're not really equipped socially to actually create an, a system that encourages employability and encourages an opt-in recruiting experience or sourcing experience, you know, we're all just chasing our tails. Yeah. And I, I just decided I would rather go on an island and learn how to fish and survive on my own than implement one more HR management platform or <laughs> one more recruiting system or have yeah. to do the same thing that got me no different results. So that's how it came about. It really came about like, ugh. and then the nail on the, the nail on the coffin of executiveship that opened the door to entrepreneurship was uh, when my daughter came home from college and she's on the couch and she's distressed. And I'm like, what's going on? She's like, I don't have a job. You know, an HR executive to hear that from their child is like a slap in the face. <laughs> Plumber's faucet's always leaking. Am I right? So, you, so I said, what's going on? And she shows me. She shows me what, what their career services department showed me, showed, mm -hmm. showed her. Indeed, LinkedIn, fill out a profile. And the disconnect between reality and execution was like this. Yeah. So I felt bad. I set up the standards of a resume-based systems. I set up the standards of candidate applicant tracking systems. I set the, the false narrative that college was still the route to entry to career as our job market changed to a skills based economy so so many things it was like guilty conscience so john that's how i became an entrepreneur um, that's how i swallowed the decision to do it and um leap into solving this magnanimous problem that we have as a society it's not a business problem it's not a citizenship problem it's a societal problem mm.
Interesting. You know, a lot of people are going through, like we talked about at the beginning of this episode, this, um, you know, this dynamic of people are losing their jobs, you know, jobs are either disappearing due to companies going out of business or mergers or, or other reasons or some, some challenges with the economy. The economy, of course, is rather cyclical. So we kind of go through these things um, yeah. again and again. With what we're going through now, is would you say from, and I'm just talking from your um, your expertise standpoint, is this something like, hey, we've definitely seen this before, and so we we apply best practices, or is it like, you know what, no, there's some new things here, and so a innovative technology like like people work um, is doing new and different things to help get people back to work. Gosh, John, I love the way you phrased that question. I think the cyclical part to it is what it is, mm -hmm. but the outcomes are what's different. And so the outcomes I'll all address first, and then I'll talk about how people work is designed to, to really address this potential, um, what do you call freight train? You see a freight train coming, you're just like, I need to make sure it's on the right tracks. What has happened in this, cycle that is new is a consolidation for a lack of re-job allocation. And in the HR world, that just means if I'm going to let go of John as a programmer, mm -hmm. John has a probability of getting an equal job as a programmer within a certain amount of time. Because the job market, the, the labeling of that role, the availability of that role is still viable. John can have a good at-bat to get that. But what has happened now in this consolidation of organizations is also a, a uh, transition between uh, automated skills and, and human skills. And people are not really aware of how impactful that is until you look at the kind of jobs that Salesforce and Microsoft and Facebook and or slash Meta and, um, and Tesla let go during the 20, I call it the 2020 COVID cover that lasted until 2021. What happened is that you saw a consolidation of roles that the skills were automated. So instead of an accounting team of 100 heads, I need an accounting team of 50 because I have already created an automated workflow to right. reduce the other 50 heads. Yeah. If I am a programmer and I'm looking at QA, Instead of manual QA, automated QA has now replaced 30, 30, um, 30 heads in that company, right? right? So great, you know, these big juggernauts, these big technology companies say, you know, COVID's really impacted us. Revenue is down. Well, no, that might have, of course, been the case, but it was really an opportunity to say, now is the time to create margin efficiencies reposition human needed skills and abilities and attributes versus those that we can automate. So the job market, while there used to be 50 programmers that could get back into the job market in three to nine months, if they didn't upskill or reskill, it isn't going to happen for them. Yeah. 
So that's that's my observation of the change. You were going to say something before I tell you how we solved that problem. No, that was my next question. How do we solve that problem? Yeah. <laughs> well, you just get on the people work app. That's how you solve the problem. Oh. Well, is the people work app designed for me or is it designed for Coca-Cola or both? It's it's really designed for you, Megan, first. Coca-Cola, we've had we've had corporate-centric models for a hundred years. And look at where it got us. When mm. we take a corporate-centric view of how jobs work, the individual will always lose. Right. So you have to create a system that is focused on the individual, or else we're all gonna lose. <laughs> and we're continuing to lose. I mean, our taxes for unemployment have uh, increased. The amount of income gap is just compounding. The uh, amount of people that are underemployed is astronomical compared to the per capita of, of people that are eligible to work. I mean, we're in the problem. We're feeling the problem. We're feeling the problem from an economic perspective and emotional perspective. I mean, how many of, how many of you, and even when you think about the transition to entrepreneurship, you had to evaluate the way that the work was making you feel. Mm. Right. And if you're you're so disconnected from the work and the way that it makes you feel, you're you have no motivation to try to do something different because you're like you're like lost. Like, what do I do without that information? So yes, Megan, our 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 system is designed assuming that John and Megan and Kim, we're the ones that are gonna drive how the workforce is developed not companies. Companies are going to always pivot. They're always going to consolidate. They're always going to find automation. They're always going to find ways to improve margin. That's business. That will never change. So yeah. it shouldn't come at the cost of people. And if we create this system where, you know, you can get on that app and you can help clarify how your natural attitude attributes and abilities will actually apply to jobs in 2025, in 2027, in 2030, and have a workable, actionable plan to make that real. Now that's a game changer. Yeah, I want to dig a little bit deeper into the specific app experience. And when we post this episode, we'll post a link as well so that people can get um, into the app directly. But Help me understand what is that experience with the app and what is unique about the app that job seekers are going to um, discover and what they might learn about themselves? Well, cool. Uh, actually, can you hear that background noise? Nope, you're good. Okay. The app experience starts off with you identifying two paths. You can start from a goal-centric path, or you can immediately get into building your talent profile and use our AI, which is, hey, I take a picture of your face and I predict your future, and or a survey. And either way, either path that you choose, eventually you're going to come right around to the one or the other again. The reason why we um, promote and every time somebody downloads our app or they find a message about us, we never say get a job because hmm. the reality is you're not going to get a job immediately. There is no platform that is going to give you a job immediately. So we don't want to set the false narrative that people work is here as a job board or a way for you to start applying, like spam applying to everything. That's not at all what right. we're about. We're about setting realistic expectations so that 
you have less frustration, you don't question your value and whether or not you have um, what's wrong with me complex from your resume over submission and gamifying. Um, so when you're in the app, we start to ask you what's important to you. What are your working goals, your earning goals, your learning goals? And our system will start to recognize and ferret out a bunch of data related to jobs that are available three, six, nine, two years down the road. And we know that from working with um, our, our clients who on purpose plan ahead of time. We're remodeling jobs. This is like the biggest decade of remodeling jobs. Job descriptions are dead. They're discriminatory in nature. They eliminate <laughs> they, Can you tell me, Kim, has anybody ever actually qualified for a job description? Because I have not come across one that I, <laughs> I'm like, who can do that? Who's right? <laughs> well, I, the, the, the real question is who knows? Right. Because you just got a bunch, you, you were spam applying to a, a huge narrative. You're like, sure, I'll give it a shot. If they call me, great. Like, that's, <laughs> you know, right. that's how it's worked. Um, but then once you start to frame your goals, we start to ferret out this information uh, around future available jobs. And then um, we ask you to make your talent profile. And only when those two components are complete, can we start to say, well, hey, John, you know, there, this is, could be a job for you. Check this out. Does this job, not the company, does this job interest you? If it does, flag it as your goal job. And we're going to start to make a path, a series of activities to close the skills gap, get you connected to the, the industry, and actually get you connected to the people that can help you be ready for the interview, the conversation, the mentorship, the guidance that's required. Because if, the truth is, if you don't do all of those things, you're going to be applying through job boards and for like a year and a half before you get any results. So that's how we're different. Well, and a, and, a lot of times and, I would say too, real quick, Megan, is you land a job because you're desperate that number one, you don't like, yeah. you not, might not be very good at because you're not actually qualified or, or it doesn't meet your direct skills that you just can do it. Um, and then you're probably most likely still hitting those job boards or you're out of the job and now your resume looks even worse because you have another short-term role in that career arc, right? So you're you're not just helping people develop skills to find the right job goal, but when they get there, it's much more likely that they're going to be in that job for a longer period of time and thrive is what it says. Oh, yes. Like. Uh, our, we actually, and people work for our corporations, we show exactly the fruit of our system right when they log in. The outcomes and delivery uh, reporting, they're there. So no one can question whether or not we're more effective, more efficient, or more, or um, actually help to increase all of the, the social objectives of a good talent acquisition program. I and mean, we, even for our talent, when they say, okay, great, we can reach out to anybody on chat and say, I've worked my model. I had two interviews. What's going on? Okay, well, let's figure out what's going on. Like, yeah. you, you, let's troubleshoot this. You, you, you have a recording of an interview. What's going on? Did you totally tank it? Do you get nervous in interviews? If you do, let's do some practice. 
um, we don't get paid for that level of additional support. I mean, for our premium members on our app, it's $120 a year for Cadillac level experience. Why? Because on our corporate side, we don't get paid until they hire a good candidate. Right. So we're 100% in it to win it with our entire community. This is not a superficial swipe right, swipe left kind of, ex uh, of experience. We do swipe right, swipe left, but um, it's not superficial at all in nature. We really are out for changing the results of, of the system and the experience for people. There's so much humanity, you know, to this app that you've built. I um, am so impressed. There, there, it occurs to me, and I'm no expert, that there's nothing like this um, designed to match your talent and your passions to your job without seeing the name of the company. Is that right? So yeah. there's so there's not the candy. It's not yeah. like um, Nike. Well, mm -hmm. yeah, I'll do that at Nike. I'll I'll stamp envelopes at Nike. Yes, no. exactly. It's it's truly like helping people and presenting like this is a fit. You know, take a second to look at that, and that um that is what really intrigued me was your your innovation to see what we need that we don't even know what we don't even know yet. Yes. I love Megan that you said, and actually it's one of the things that uh, I was talking to our, uh, we do some work with K through 12 colleges and universities. And I was speaking to a group and they said, oh, we're very concerned about making sure our, our next generation is ready for the future of work. And I said, okay, how many of you are teaching deep edge computing right now? Crickets. What did so you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's what they're like. Oh, yeah, sure. I, I, no, you're not. And why are you not teaching that? Because you don't know what you don't know until you have data that mm. informs you of it. And and lagging. And we even for esports, esports has so many transferable skills. Mm -hmm. Yes. What just if you think at the gaming level, uh, somebody who was coding a game is actually a very good ethical hacker. Mm. The complexity of coding a game and the complexity of ethical hacking are equivalent in terms of mental capacity and the ability to take a just a core function. And this is why resumes will never work if we're really going to close the skills gap and keep people employed. If I know how to troubleshoot a, an actual coding of a game on, on my keyboard, the level of complexity and dexterity and mental acuity that is required is the same that's required of an ethical hacker. And right now, Right now, even on our platform, we have 7,342 ethical hacking jobs that are available. Wow. I need to teach Johnny how to code some video games. It sounds like. <laughs> <laughs> well, and even some of that, I mean, you can just think about there's so many different skills that have been developed in esports. And one of the most, but unrecognizable and, un, and really, in my opinion, 
that's talked about the least is the ingenuity. Mm. Yeah. Esports has been around for a decade plus, but in the iterations over the over time, there's a whole lot of stuff that had never been done before. Mm-hmm. Right. And explaining that as a skilled person in the esports industry, whether you're marketing or looking at relationships or trying to understand or explain to Microsoft why they need to be invested in esports, all of those are new conversations. They create change makers. They need mm-hmm. change makers in, in order to work. And there's a plethora of talent in esports right now that can, I, because of what's happening, uh, and just a shift of, of jobs and um, people needing to find new opportunities for income. There's plenty of ways to do that, but you have to be able to do it in a way that your those natural attitude, attributes, and abilities are going to be recognized. And you don't have to, you know, play the resume game in order to do that. Yeah, and I wonder if you want to share a little bit about why you decided to be our gold sponsor for our purposeful networking um, event that was created by our beloved Charles Conroy and John Davidson, our flagship. Set up for people what the networking is, and yes. then um, Kim can speak into that. So, for those listening, when you attend the Esports Next conference, we really focus on networking. We focus around experiences around networking. But networking is going to be most valuable when you're meeting with people who are valuable to your business and vice versa. And so it is very common, especially at a highly attended event, that you may not meet the most valuable person in the room simply because you didn't know that they were there and you didn't get to understand what everybody does. So what we do is we kick off this uh, conference with speed networking, where we give people 90 seconds to say, tell me what you do and what you need. And I'll tell you what I do and what I need. And then you switch and you go down, down, down. And so after 30, 45 minutes-ish, every single person, what they've done, they have not yet developed a relationship with the people in the room, but they they have identified who they want to spend time with Mm -hmm. throughout the rest of the conference. And the sponsor of this uh, purposeful speed networking is PeopleWork. Well, actually, John, you just answered the question for me because you explained explained it's functional, it's meaningful, and it's about human connections. That's right. And that's people work. And why I specifically chose uh, this this event is because of the structure of the event. And we, we have been passive, and that's being generous and participants in the esports industry. We have a few clients, we have a few roles that get kind of passed around, but back to that whole transferable skill conversation we had, there's a gold mine there. And I think that this event and the way that you're structuring it and the energy that you wanna bring back and keep focused on the industry while these cycles of business just happen and the economy just happen, I think it's a great, it's a great place for us to show up because it matches what where we want to be. We want to be in those conversations that are like, hey guys, we're in it together. And yeah. if we're in it together, let's find ways to make those genuine connections and, and make sure that we're not um, we're not just out there to set up some fluff. 
You're not. And you know what, Kim, what will surprise you and John knows this because it happened to me yesterday. At least once a week, I'm called. Meg, I lost my job. Oh. Yeah. For years and years. And, and you just wouldn't believe it. I'm almost the first call. And I think because A, I can't tell anybody. And B, people trust me. And then I, I kind of know like who's out there and what's going on. I feel like there's never been anything like this. And this is just the beginning of the technology. I can't wait to see what you're going to build out. And you have truly chosen the most soulful part of our conference. One of the most soulful parts, the awards is very special too, when we celebrate our members. And I mean, I, you know, it's hard to choose, but I love this. I've never been to a conference in my entire life that does anything like this designed by my two of my favorite people. And I truly hope that this brand stays with you guys because it's, it's truly so special. And, um, I also have another idea, Jen. I feel like after this, oh, show, here we go. I know, here we go. After this show, I feel like we should do a podcast, um, read for uh, a commercial because oh, people yeah. need to try this app. This is, like this is cool. And we, we will help our community that, um, it, gamers are just such special people. They they actually believe they could do for a living what they love. A lot of them, if you want to generalize. That's a great, <laughs> that is a great, what do you call that? Um, opti it's either optimistic, you're optimistically delusional or you're accurately optimistic. Like, <laughs> yeah, you find out years down the road as you, as you pursue it. And yeah. Um, <laughs> One thing that's so cool about esports too, you know, you pursue this path as a pro gamer and, you know, what is it? 0.3% of people make it, you know, similar to traditional sports, but there are so many different jobs and career opportunities associated with esports, both beyond the scenes, all these different ways. Um, you know, we have hundreds and hundreds of people are members of the esports trade association and almost none of them make their money competing on the stage. Right. Almost all of them make myself, Megan included, make a living in esports from esports, mm -hmm. and it's because we provide complementary um, skill sets and value around this thing that is based on people competing on a stage. Um, one of the last questions I have for you here, Kim, for those listening, I want to make sure that everybody who is relevant to people work understands that people work is relevant to them. So can you um, just list off the different, I would say, people groups who should download the app and get involved um, from both age and then I would say employment status as well? Hmm, okay, well, we speak to it in three general groups. You're just launching your career, you're relaunching, or you're in transition. So the difference between relaunching and transition is I have been away from a formal paid position for a while, and now I need to figure out what I'm going to do with myself. Transitioning means I'm going, I was in accounting and now I want to be a graphic designer. Those are two, you know, those are two different categories. And when we say just launching, that obviously means you probably haven't had a job before and you kind of got to figure out what your career plan would be. Um, yeah. Our demographics really reach from 16 all the way up to 38. Uh, that's where our core um, audience sits. 
The reason why we don't have too many users over uh, 38 is um, it, unless you're in that transition, uh, the, the transition bucket or relaunching, uh, you kind of, most of people are like, I kind of know what I am at 40 and a resume thing, it kind of works for me and I don't need to redesign anything. And in those cases, when you've not changed your career and you are what you are and you're you know, going after the same thing, those are the cases when applicant tracking systems and resume-based experiences, they work because you've got, yeah. you know, you're, you've got over two decades to back you up. Um, but in those scenarios that we nurture, the transition, the relaunching, and the just launching, uh, you don't really know what to, you need to say or how to say it. And why would you waste time trying to figure it out? Yeah. Very well said. Well, to wrap this up, um, last question I would say is how, other than downloading the app, of course, which we want people to do, and we'll list a link uh, for you in this episode, what are the other ways that people can get involved with you, your team, and directly with people work? Well, of course, they can come see us in Chicago at the eSports event. That's always right. it. And uh, they can visit us at peoplework.com, spelled phonetically, P-E-P-E-L-W-E-R-K. People always are like, why did you spell your name so weird? Well, one, it's hard to find the right domain name now. <laughs> True uh, story. And two, because I'm very literal about the vocabulary words. We are literally about people working. That's it. It doesn't get more complicated than that. That makes a lot of sense. Well, Kim, thank you so much um, for joining us today. You know, the work that you're doing is so impactful and we can see that there's a trend here where it will only um, continue to deliver more and more value with uh, people who are looking to start their careers and then transitioning to something new. Um, on behalf of Megan, our lovely founder, and myself, uh, thank you for joining us today on the Esports Next Podcast. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.